So the jury wanted to see some video. Get a better idea of what questions they're answering. See if there is something that they may have missed in uh, the conversation uh, about Kyle Rittenhouse. They started deliberating yesterday. They're still deliberating today. The judge saying you got to come to the courtroom to watch the video. So that's what's coming next if it hasn't happened already. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today. William Jacobson joins us right now from LegalInsurrection.com. Cornell Law Professor is how you know him. And while I want to get to some of the conversations, the accusations of of misconduct from the prosecution, uh, let's start with where you think this jury is. They're in today two of deliberations uh did they think it would take this long did you think it would take this long and the questions that they've asked about getting a a better understanding of self-defense and wanting to see some of this video where does that take you as as a lawyer yeah well i'm not i I don't know about the video request that must have just happened i don't recall that but um the uh i'm surprised it's taking this long i mean (laughs) You never have a certainty, but I uh, I can't see a conviction here from a logical basis. I mean, I, I'm not saying they won't convict him, but the defense was just so overwhelming. I mean, this was not a close call. And remember, in a trial where the prosecution has the burden of proof by beyond a reasonable doubt, um, if it even is a close call, then it should be not guilty. So I'm not understanding how any juror could come to a conclusion beyond a reasonable doubt that this was not self-defense. And so, you know, people need to understand that the defense doesn't have to prove it was self-defense. Once they assert self-defense, the prosecution has to disprove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, I don't see that. So to me, this is a very bad sign for Rittenhouse because this should have been, you know, look at the George Floyd uh, prosecution of the policeman in the George Floyd case. Uh, They came back in an hour and a half or an hour. Uh, And that was a closer call than this one. So I'm not really understanding this at all. What they the they asked the judge two questions. Do we view videos in private or in the courtroom? And do you need to know the exact exhibit number of photos? And the judge said you can watch the video here in the courtroom. It is Kyle Rittenhouse's attorneys that are now very upset with this because what they clearly want to watch is the drone footage. And that's the subject of their motion to dismiss the trial with prejudice. Now, they're making the argument that the drone footage was kept from them, this drone footage that shows that Kyle Rittenhouse was running away from Joseph Rosenbaum, was trying not to cause a problem. It was Rosenbaum who was chasing after him. And the claim is is that the prosecution did not provide this evidence. First, what is the, the, the rule, what are the regulations regarding what the prosecution has to turn over to uh, the, the defense? And if something wasn't turned over, the idea of a mistrial with prejudice, what does that mean, and does the defense have a, a case here? Well, the prosecution needed to turn over their footage and the basis for the um, motion for mistrial with prejudice is that, one, they didn't turn over any footage until late in the game, and two, they never turned over, while the case was still receiving evidence, the 
uh, high-definition version of it so that they withheld evidence that they themselves were using that's relevant to the case uh, that in, that, and that is a basis for a mistrial. And it was intentional, and it comes after a series of other deliberate acts by the prosecution. This all seems to relate to this concept of provocation, that in the opening statement, the, the prosecution never claimed that Kyle Rittenhouse provoked this, and that if it's a provocation under the law, then under certain circumstances, self-defense defense does not uh, apply. So this whole case has come down to whether Kyle Rittenhouse provoked people to chase him and attack him, and the prosecution saying, well, yes, there's drone footage. Oh, look, we found somebody gave to us days into the case um, footage of, uh, you know, drone footage. And oh, by the way, the FBI had drone footage, too, which, of course, is very interesting that the FBI has drones, um, the drone footage, but they only gave them the, the, the lower uh, density one, not the uh, lower definition version, not the high definition version. So there's multiple things. But this is the center of the prosecution's case now. They can't seriously argue that he was not acting in self-defense. What they want to do is say self-defense no longer applies because you provoked it. So that is really what it comes down to. And, and this withheld and delayed evidence goes exactly to the heart of the prosecution's case. So I think there's severe prejudice to him. I mean, they never got a chance to show uh, Rittenhouse when he w- took the witness stand this footage because it hadn't been given to them yet. He never got a chance to explain where he was, what he was doing, uh, because it hadn't been given to them yet. And that's really, and this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. It really is. I mean, we cover at Legal Insurrection many high-profile cases, really going back to the George Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin case, and we've covered most of the big ones live in intensive detail. And prosecutors are aggressive, and, and you know, they're entitled to be aggressive. I've never seen as um, dishonest a prosecution as I've seen here. You know, utilizing that term, talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com, calling the prosecution dishonest. Uh, there would be people who would be like, wow, that's a, that is strong, because it is. It's a strong thing to say. But in your view, it has, been, has it been dishonest just in this last part about not providing evidence or in the entirety of the prosecution? Well, I don't want to say the entirety of the prosecution, in my view, is dishonest. I mean, there was a shooting here. People were killed, okay? But it was very quick. It was clearly in reaction to political pressure. But the whole way the case has been presented is constantly this lead prosecutor pushing the limit, being admonished by the judge, doing things he knew he shouldn't do, like commenting on the defendant's silence after arrest, you know, trying to introduce evidence that the judge had already said can't come in. And then in the closing arguments, blatantly misstating what the law is on self-defense, I can't believe the defendant's counsel didn't stand up and object to that. I mean, that was a big mistake. But, you know, um, so I think that all throughout this, you know, holding back video, uh, just using, doing everything possible to win the case. Now, when you're a defense counsel, that's your goal. When you're a private lawyer representing people in civil cases, just winning is your goal. When you're a prosecutor, 
with the power of the government behind you. Your obligation is to do justice, not just to win the case at any cost. And what we've seen here is prosecutors who are trying to win the case at any cost, at any, uh, you know, for any reason they can. And I don't think that's an honest way to prosecute a case. Now let's take a look at some of the things happening from the outside, uh, looking inward. Uh, We've heard that the the jury has not been sequestered, so we don't know what levels of pressure that they are are under. Uh, And then uh, a story uh, from the Daily Wire about how the judge has received um, wishing on the most heinous homicide, unquote, on his kids. Hundreds and hundreds of messages, not only threatening his children, threatening him. Um... Does this in and of itself create problems for the trial, for the judge to say, you know what, uh, this is done, we're all out of here, goodbye? Like, is, the, is there a reason for the judge to say, you're not going to threaten people into getting the decision you want, we're out? No, I don't think so, not unless there's some indication that jurors have received directly threats or in some way the process has been um, corrupted because of the threats. Whenever you have a high-profile case, unfortunately – People are going to do really stupid and, in some cases, criminal acts in threatening other people. Uh, It's not excusing it at all. But unless that has somehow corrupted the trial itself, I don't think that's a basis to throw it out. Uh, You know, and uh, this is but but I think it reflects a bigger problem is that every time we have a high profile case which has political implications where somebody perceived to be either on the right or perceived to have unpopular opinions with the, uh, you know, with the left, uh, the trial pressure becomes enormous. I mean, we, there are protesters outside. We saw it all the way back to the George Zimmerman case. I mean, George Zimmerman had an overwhelming uh, defense in that case. I mean, that one was not even as clear cut as Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, but that one was a clear case of self-defense. Uh, but that's, you wouldn't know it if, if you listened to the protesters. You wouldn't know it if you listened to their lawyers. You wouldn't know it if you listened to the people who formed after the Zimmerman case, the Black Lives Matter movement. You wouldn't know it. But every time we now have a high-profile case, I mean, look what happened in the Derek Chauvin prosecution in the George Floyd death, that there were threats, including from Maxine Waters, that there are going to be riots and protests and you know, disrupt the city if they don't come back guilty. That is now a reality that you have howling mobs, literally howling mobs outside courthouses demanding that there be a conviction in these high profile cases. It's disgusting. And nobody seems to want to crack down on it. I mean, people have a right to protest. I'm not sure they have a right to stand outside the courthouse with an earshot of the jurors screaming at them. So I think that, you know, those protesters probably need to be pushed back a block from the courthouse if they are threatening jurors and threatening riots and threatening to disrupt, you know, the city, if there's not a guilty verdict. I mean, jurors have to be free from that sort of pressure. Let's get back to what we're seeing right now in this trial and the the deliberations, which are in day two. And based on the fact that they've asked questions and they want to see video, it's certainly possible they could turn this around and have uh, a a verdict for the judge in, in, in the next two seconds. It's also very possible that this goes into a day three, and it's your take, I want to make sure I understand you, uh, William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, that already going this long could be a bad sign for Rittenhouse, uh, considering how you see this as very open and shut in terms of the case that was presented by the prosecution. This goes into a day three. What does it tell you? 
well, of course, we're all speculating. It could True. be that there's one or two holdout jurors. OK, it might be that they need this video to convince the one person to vote not guilty. I mean, I can't imagine I will be completely floored. I can't imagine that, you know, you already have 11 jurors who want to vote guilty and there's one holdout for not guilty. Uh, but I think that, you know, there may be a holdout and there may be somebody that needs to see more for whatever the reason. Uh, you know, that that's probably what's going on here. I mean, this isn't that complicated a case. Yet here we are, sir. I mean, I, I understand that I, I, I'm always very clear about the fact that I'm not a lawyer. I'm not disagreeing with you in the slightest. I'm stunned it's taking this long. I don't think it's difficult. Yet here we are. So I, I think that your take on the idea of maybe a couple of holdouts is very, very uh, possible. But is there any possibility that they're going to say, look, it's not murder, but it is this, and we've got this thing over here. Like, there's one charge that they want to have stick so they, they can feel like they did the right thing or something like that? Do juries act, really act like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know the answer to that here. It's just kind of shocking. You would have thought they would have reached a decision if it's not guilty. It's such an easy decision to reach on the facts of this case. Uh, that why they need to see more video and see photos again, I'm, I, I'm not really understanding. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. And this goes another day. You know you're going to be back, sir. I'm just, I'm just okay, letting you know. Very good. We're Happy leaving the standing appointment for you, William Jacobson. You can follow him on uh, the, the Twitter box, William Jacobson, and, of course, uh, Legal Insurrection, L-E-G, Insurrection, and it's W.A. Jacobson, William A. Jacobson, W.A. Jacobson, on the Twitter box. Always a pleasure, sir. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz.